Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, welcome back, Arizona. Beautiful morning out there. We do have a couple lines open. Julia Beck, smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827. Sorry about running out of time on the avocado question, but, you know, with my experience with avocados, is there are certainly some around town that do have fruit. And I've learned long ago not to tell anyone that uh, nothing will work here because they'll always prove you wrong here or there. But just in general, avocados really prefer uh, hillsides in California, you know, and they don't even grow in the low parts of the valleys in California, even in San Diego, they do best up on the hillside. So you can grow one here. You can baby it. You can try it. If you are going to try to grow one here, it's best on the eastern exposure. It will need some morning sun to bloom, and it'll flourish in the, more, in the morning sun. But uh, truthfully, because our water is pretty alkaline, our heat is very intense, and our winters can be cold, they don't do as well. If you wanted something that was tropical like that, you might have more luck with, try a mango. Anyway, uh, Back to the phones. Looks like next up we've got Mike and Mesa, then Charlie and Mesa. Hi, Michael. Well, hello, Brian. Uh, my question's about the grass again you were dealing before the break. Uh, I let my Bermuda go dormant mm-hmm. and uh, turn to hay, and I've just started watering this week to try to soften up the ground so hard, and I'm going to do what you're suggested there about aerating and then maybe morganite later. But when you said about putting a pre-emergent down to stop the weeds from growing. If I try to reseed the Bermuda now, will that stop the Bermuda from Ab- reseeding? Absolutely. You know, in Bermuda grass, you're not going to be able to reseed until the nighttime temperature is consistently above 60 to 65 degrees. So if you're planning on reseeding, definitely do not use a pre-emergent. Uh, that was the main question. So yeah. don't use the pre-emergent yeah. now. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. And, and it, it, it would cause all kinds of problems if you're trying to over, you know, to, to reseed. Now, pretty much, you know, from the rhizomes and runners, Bermuda grass usually will fill back in. And you might just find with the irrigation, you know, with aeration, you know, good irrigation, little fertilizer, it'll spread all on its own. And uh, But if you do want to reseed, the best time to reseed is when the nighttime temperature hits 60, 65. Okay. That was it. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Uh, Charlie and Mesa. Good morning, Charlie. Hey, Brian. Thank you. Hey, uh, a few weeks ago, I got me a little uh, bougainvillea bush. It's about two feet high. And uh, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, the flowers are dropping off. Well, the flowers are going to cycle, and it's just going to, you know, it's going to take heat for it to really wake up, Charlie. But bougainvilleas like it hot here. It'll grow fast this summer. You know, when you transplant them for the flowers to fall off, it's pretty normal. But the one thing I would warn you is not to overwater it. Where You're located in Mesa. Charlie, what part of Mesa? Oh, Greenfield and Southern. Okay, so you have pretty heavy soil. So you, you know, if you water it twice the first week, you don't want to water it more than once a week. Okay, so you want to let it get a little dry between waterings. And when it really warms up, when it's going to be 90, 95 degrees all the time, if you want to give it a little shot of fertilizer, that's fine. And it will grow faster, you know. But uh, as long as it's planted in the sun, the heat's going to come, it's going to bloom. 
So it should have watered pretty heavy just once a week, then? Yeah, just, but no more often than once a week. You want to let it get dry between irrigations. And uh, I don't know if the root ball broke at all when you planted it, but sometimes they'll crack on bougainvilleas. But, you know, as long as it's got a few leaves on it, don't worry. Summer's coming. It'll be happy. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. Well, you know, you're planting an easy plant, Charlie, and I can't tell you the same. I certainly wouldn't tell people the same thing about an avocado, but uh, bougainvilleas are about as easy as they get. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thanks, Charlie. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Dave in Scottsdale, but Dave's going to be our lonely caller unless somebody calls Julia. The number to call G is 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. You know, we, we get to the end of the program. The lines are always full. And you got plenty of time. We'll get you on soon right after mr dave hi dave hi good morning you know you know what's hey, nice I, about a name like dave dave is that you know it's not like pat you know it's, it's always a male name you know <laughs> i don't know any girls yeah, named dave sure. <laughs> well good morning brian good morning, see i man. have a uh, sister that we put in about five years ago and it's now pushing about 12 inches around and, and, uh, and two stories high. Mm-hmm. And uh, the landscaper that we used to use, he said, if you plant a sister, I'm not going to be your landscaper anymore. And um, he just he warned us about it. And I just am a little curious about your opinion of sisu trees. I think your landscaper is a coward. It provides a huge amount of shade. Here's the reality about sissu trees. If you'll care for it properly, it won't create as many problems for you. Uh, Sissus, if you have them next to a lawn that's sprinkled and watered like two or three or four times a week, produce a tremendous amount of surface roots and can be a huge problem. If you'll water your big sissu with a drip system or a hose and water it about once every two weeks and deep soak it and let the ground dry out around at the top, you know, 10 inches to a foot and if you have shrubs around there that are on a drip system if you'll run those correctly so you know four or five year established shrubs you're going to run your drip system once every two weeks it probably won't cause a problem for you the way that it could cause a problem is if you had it next to a wall and the neighbor had a lawn and they're watering all the time so it's a a very opportunistic grower and feeder so it's going to grow roots and you know size based on how much water it's getting it sounds to me like it's pretty healthy if it's that big already so it's obviously getting some water from somewhere but if you're careful not to keep the water up by the surface if it doesn't have a water supply that's like a lawn next door that they're watering all the time it should be a pretty good tree and the other thing is is if you'll trim it once a year you know when you go through and prune citrus um, I mean not citrus the sisus you could prune those out and open those up in the winter time and you can keep their size reduced by doing so and, and they can be quite a handsome tree that's great that's great news it doesn't actually require any water it seems well it's finding I'm, some I'm never, somewhere dave i mean trust me that's what i was thinking okay so it's, uh, it's only about 10 feet from my irrigation supply so i i wonder if it's just grabbing a hold of one of the pipes and maybe cracked it <laughs> well it it could you know, it actually could do something like that, though it would become somewhat unusual. Your irrigation supply. But what else do you have planted in your lawn, though, in your, in your landscape? Uh, this is actually just on the side of the house, and it's near uh, two citrus trees that I have. Okay. But it's 
uh, it's in the drainage area that's uh, between two houses, and and the neighbor has nothing planted on that side of the wall. Well, that sounds like an ideal spot for it, you know, and it'll it'll get in there. And if you deep water your citrus correctly, you know, you water them like every two weeks and deep, um, then they probably get some of that water as well. So, sounds like you have it in an ideal spot, Dave. And you know, I think you're Thanks. I think your landscaper is a bit of a coward. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I sure appreciate your help. Dad. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, Kelly in Phoenix. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have I bought a lavender, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. how to take care of it. Well, there's lots of different kinds of lavenders, okay? Uh, there's English, okay. and French, and Spanish, and, and all different kinds, fern leaf lavenders. But for the most part, they're going to do best when they're planted on an eastern or southern exposure. So they want okay. quite a bit of sun to bloom. They could be grown in the uh-huh. ground or in a pot. And, um, and like I said, there's a lot of different you know varieties. Some are hardy, and others Spanish lavender is probably the most common here and uh, we didn't really used to use it much 20 years ago but they've gotten very popular and uh, can be a nice part of a landscape oh okay it says auto quest Oh, on a quest, uh-huh. Yeah, it's a Spanish cultivar, and that's that's a pretty good variety. So that one, if you're okay. planting it, whether you put it in a pot or southern or eastern exposure, it should be fine. Okay. Um, do you have more time? I have sure. another question. Yeah, go for it. Oh, oh okay. I also have a desert willow. Mm-hmm. Can I put that? Where should I put that on what exposure? Well, you want to give it where it has plenty of room. Bubba is a really good variety. And then there's some dwarf ones, too. But desert willows that uh, grow naturally, California, they're naturally white. Arizona, they're pink. In Texas, we get some bubbas and some of these more deep uh, purple magenta kind of colors. And that's what's most popular now. So you want to put it where it has room to grow. It can grow into a tree anywhere from 15 to 30 feet tall, depending on your water and care for it. And it likes full sun. Okay. Thank you for the information. Very helpful. Thanks, Kelly. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Mark in Phoenix. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent, sir. Good. What happened to Bryson? Did you weed him and kind of push him along? Or well, no. That, that was, a- you know what? I'll tell you what. Bryce was a nice guy. But he didn't hold a candle to Julia, you know. And given okay. my drugs, okay. all the people I work with, you know. And I've been, I've been, I've been on the air now for oh, over, well over thirty years. And I've got to yeah. say, uh, you know, and I do another show at another station. That, you know, yesterday, yeah. I can't mention that one. What everybody kind of thinks, but the, the two young, the two young ladies that I work with right now are the best, most talented, easiest to work with I've ever had. You know, well, so I bet you Julia is smiling nice, right now. Bryce was a nice guy. Well, she's back here working. She's on the phone. But you know what? I'll tell you, both the young ladies, her and Xander, are just fantastic. Fantastic. So I have a question for you. I'm going to my mom's here later, and I think she has a – I think she said it was a star jasmine. I know it's got white flowers, and, and I'm just transplanting it to a – uh, it's going to be next to a you know a block wall on the it'd be gosh uh, uh, western exposure I guess I mean it yeah, does you, pretty you, good because well it, it's hard to plant one on the west side of a wall and get it established once they're established star jasmine will grow anywhere but I wouldn't okay, so, I wouldn't yeah. recommend planting one on the west side of a wall I, w- I would plant it east south uh, even the north it'll bloom in the summertime but the west side is going to be the hardest place to locate a star jasmine. Okay, I'm just saying right now it's pretty much like uh, open to sun like all day, so it does really well. It's pretty pretty hardy. Yeah. But my question is, is uh, it's about maybe uh, four feet high, three and a half feet uh, in diameter. Mm-hmm. I don't want to damage those roots when I dig it out because it's, there'll it's, be two holes, and my mom will put me in one. It's going to die. <laughs> when you move it, it's going to die. 
So I said, just, not, just leave it where it is. It's actually pretty healthy. Yeah, you, 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 you know, and it's, it's established and it's there. You know, you could buy a new little five-gallon and plant it, but you're not going to move a big star jasmine. All right. Well, I'll just leave it then because uh, there's a hole there, and my mom will put me in it if I can. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, but and they're and they're so fragrant, you know, and they and they're they're pretty wonderful plant. But when they're established, you know, they've got this spread out root system, you know, and you might have it live. But I mean, your chance yeah. of making one lives maybe ten percent. Why take the risk if you if you want another star be, jasmine? Yeah. Go buy a five gallon star jasmine or even a one. That's what I was going to say. I'll just go buy another one and put something else in that hole I already dug. So all right. Well, thank you very much, sir. Good luck, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got John in Fountain Hills. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Good. Hey, I've got a large, established uh, grapefruit tree. Uh, it's probably about 25 years old. It's adjacent the lawn in a in a, a rocky, landscaped area. It's It's giving wonderful fruit. It looks very, very healthy. But there's sections of the tree that the leaves are kind of curling up from the from the tips to the base, but it's not an even curl. It kind of goes from one side to the other, the other side of the vein to the other. I don't see any thrip or aphids. I just don't know what's causing that. John, you won't see the thrip. The thrip actually attack the leaf when it's really small, okay? And they hit that okay. leaf then. And then as the leaf matures, it's got the curl to it. And it's really something okay. we don't worry about at all with grapefruit because the little lace okay. wings and pirate bugs, there's a lot of predators that feed on thrip. And, uh, you know, grapefruit out of all the citrus are probably affected about the least. So I, I would okay. not be very concerned. Grapefruits, lemons, limes, they don't really bother so much. So they'll, they'll do more damage to... Uh, navel oranges and tangerines and those kind of things but even on those you know we only spray organic spray in our groves one time a year to control thrip and we do that just to control the scarring on the fruit but as far as the foliage we let mother nature run its course and the beneficial insects that we get to come in and feed in the thrip do a pretty darn good job excellent so nothing to worry about not yet not to be concerned all right, excellent. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have John's line open, the number to call, 602-277-5827. It's Brian and Julia here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR.
hands are full, so we have to get back to the phones. But I really would encourage you all to pick up and uh, go on the Internet. That's Playing for Change. That's a worldwide uh, La Bamba concert that's pretty phenomenal, and it's great on the Internet. Anyway, let's see. Next up, we have, looks like, Marty in Rainbow Valley. Hi, Marty. Well, I, I have a um, male mulberry. Mm-hmm. And it did pretty good last year. I planted it last year. And I was just wondering how much water to put on it and how to trim it. Well, Marty, it's going to grow in proportion to how it gets watered. Mulberries do very well here. They used to be probably one of our most common trees in the valley. Um, is it in lawn or rock or what's around it? Uh, just just dirt. Just dirt. Okay, well, that's fine. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll cover up a lot of square footage dirt and make things a lot cooler. What you want to do yeah. is put a pretty big well around it, probably five or six feet in diameter, even if it's Got a small that. tree. Okay, And then you want to deep soak that well about once every, this time of year, because it's just waking up, about once every 10 days or so. And if you fill it up okay. once a week in the summertime, uh, it'll benefit from some fertilizer. And, uh, you know, mulberries and figs are two things that kind of like cow manure if you're out in rainbow valley you got some you know dried cow manure you want to work some of that into that well it'll help retain the moisture and it'll help feed that mulberry and and then go ahead and feed it with like a balanced citrus fertilizer or something as far as pruning it you got to just determine why you're pruning it what you want the tree to do if you want it to be a you know a tree for kids to climb in you could leave some of the branches start down low three or four feet so it's easy to get a start and then grow it up into a big canopy. When I grew up, my grandfather had a big mulberry like that that was a female that grew over his grape arbor, and I used to love to climb up in that mulberry and eat the grapes and the mulberries, and it was you know quite a quite a fun experience. I always enjoyed. But uh, deep water, you know, work that cow manure and around the top, then keep it on a regular fertilizer basis and uh, stand back. Prune it, you know, upright as much as you like to. If you want to have the branches low, you can have them start low enough to climb in, or you could raise them up to six or seven feet. I wouldn't do that right away. I would let the tree grow and build mass this summer, and then do a little selective pruning as it grows. Okay. And, and, my, and also, I got some um, thornless mesquites, mm-hmm. and how much water do I put on them? They'll work well on the same cycle. You know, if you're, if you're okay. watering about once every 10 days right now, once a week in the heat of the summer, uh, they'll grow really fast, Marty. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Tim in Peoria. Morning, Tim. Yeah, good morning. Um, so I have a jujube in front, and it may not make a difference, but the problem is that the tree has sort of outgrown the trunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the tree is about six and a half feet tall, a thin trunk, and thin all the way down. I'm afraid if I – and it is kind of loosely strapped uh, to a pole, but uh, I'm afraid if a wind comes along, it may just uh, blow it right down. So okay, you, you need, do you, I need to trim the top or what? Well, you need to ten, send it to two-a-day football camp, right? Two-day football camp is you're going, you're just working out back and forth, and you're moving all the time. And so you want to put a stake on each side about two feet away from the trunk and let it be flexible and able to move, you know, uh, back and forth in between those stakes so it can move back and forth. You want to prune the top back, you know, take the weight off and let it come back out. Are, are, are you looking to grow it mainly for the fruit production? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, so mostly. Then, then what I would do is I would grow it more the form of like a peach tree, for example, okay? 
So what you'd probably want to do oh. with it right now is not worry about staking it. Just go off and cut the tree off about four and a half feet off the ground so that it can self-support. Get rid of all the stakes and just let it grow up into a vase-shaped tree. Oh, okay. Um, if I could ask one more question, I've, I've been kind of remodeling a little bit, so I have a lot of uh, two-by-four pieces and and various things like that, um, and I thought I would burn them uh, uh, before it gets hot, gets hot uh, for the uh, uh, potash. And so are two-by-fours good to burn or, you know, or pine, not? Uh, what should I burn well, or not? I, I don't know that I would burn anything, especially just to create potash. Um, you know, I think environmental is kind of a rough way to go. Um, you know, if you want to get some ashes, you know, you're better off using ones out of a nice barbecue that you're using some mesquite wood with that you're going to cook something. You know, two-by-fours uh, two are mostly pine. They could be fir, and you're not going to get much ash for the volume of wood you're going to have to burn. And if we're going to burn something, I'd burn it with a purpose. So I'd be cooking with some charcoal or or maybe using, uh, you know, some mesquite wood to grill with and that kind of thing. And you'll get more ash and, and more out of the charcoal anyway, and that way you're not just uh, burning them for that purpose. So even charcoal is uh, good, makes sure, good it's a, uh, it's potash? A, oh, absolutely. It's the same thing. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Uh, John and Gilbert, good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, I, sir. I pretty much had the same question that your last caller had about uh, ash, potash. So I have a pizza oven, and I have a lot of ash that's left over. And I was wondering if that was good to use on a plum tree. You can work some in around your trees and things. It's not going to be a panacea. It's not going to replace the nitrogen, which is the number one ingredient. You know, we're going to use a fertilizer okay. for growing, but it's not going to be detrimental either. You know, you could work it into a okay, bigger good. garden or more square footage, but you don't need that much. I just felt guilty throwing it in the trash can. <laughs> well, of, uh, putting you can go put it in like the that. garden. You could spread it on your lawn. It wouldn't hurt anything. Oh, good, good. And then the last question is, is that, I, I like I said, I have a tropical bird of paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what fertilizer do you recommend for uh, getting more blooms out of that uh, Well, higher phosphorus. So if, if you get something that the middle number, so we got three numbers on the bag, right? The middle number is the phosphorus. Okay. You could use something like a super bloom or even a miracle Grow is pretty high in phosphorus, and that's going to make it bloom more. But what makes you know tropical birds bloom the best is they have to have some sun. So if you've got it planted in okay. dark shade, it's not going to bloom very well. If you'll plant it like like on the east side or the southeast side where it gets more sun, it'll bloom better. Okay, great, great. Thank you. All right, I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Stephanie and Jeff, you guys are going to have to be next because John Roller just slipped in here, and he's going to tell us about the news first. But right after the news, and Stephanie and Jeff, you could be up next in the Whitfield Nursery Garden. So give Judy a call during the break at 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTR. It's John, Julia, and Brian here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM. KTAR. One more day we'll spend together. Lay your eyes a cup upon me for the better. Spend my days cursing my soul. We 
Wishing I could paint my scars and make me whole Oh, I know I could be better But my love I won't give in Funny, I was just talking to Brian about my music selection, and it's not while well, it's not really a classic. That is West Coast by Imagine Dragons, one of my favorite bands. Uh, they came around probably like mid 2010s. Uh, they're still going strong, and I just love that song. And I was just kind of feeling that vibe today. You know, it's 94 degrees out probably by noon, so yeah, just feeling that West Coast vibe. See why we love Julia. She has the wonderful music. Welcome back, folks, to the Whip Dollars for Garden Show. Uh, the lines are full. And uh, so we'll get right to him. Uh, Jeff, let's see. No, Stephanie first, then Jeff. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you? Good. I've got a sick Palo Verde, and I had a guy come look at it, and um, he's telling me that I've got flat-headed borers. And it's going to cost like $300 for him to come treat my tree. Is there a different option? Okay. Is there holes around your tree in the ground? Uh, no, not that I can see, but there's black bark on it. It mm-hmm. looks like it's scarred, and it's losing limbs big time. Okay, but you know, what I would is it a is it a regular Mexican Palo Verdes have thorns? No, it does not have thorns. Okay, so it's like a desert museum Palo Verde, a thornless one. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, okay, that flat-headed boars only get in the tree because it's weak, and they're oftentimes weak because they have these big grubs that actually feed down on the roots, okay? And okay. Those, those are palaverty beetles, and they're, they're, they're a beetle that's about four or five inches long that comes out like in August, and they come out and, you know, reproduce and uh, fly around, look like hummingbird size. And But they're typically, they're, they're grubs are the big worms that are down eating the roots off the bottom. Um, if it were just mm-hmm. a matter of boars, you could prune all that wood out of the tree and fertilize it. It'll come back out. Um, the boars are more problematic. They're usually down in the soil. So what you could do, look around to see if you have any holes around the trunk of the tree. There'll be a hole about three-quarters of an inch in diameter. And those are the exit holes where the beetles come out. Okay, And that usually happens in August. So not this time of year as much. And if you have gravel there, you might not see them. You might pull back the gravel and see some of these. So the normal protocol would be to drench the... Uh, like a grub control, so you could bear, buy like a bear grub control, and you could drench that into the around the tree in the base, okay? And that's systemic, so it goes down and it kills the big grubs, but it will also kill the flat-headed boars in the tree. So you could do that drench all yourself. You can go to your favorite nursery or garden center, and you know, or Ace, or wherever, and, and, and pick up some uh, bear grub control, wash it in, water it in very deeply around the base of the tree. This is a good time of year to do it. It's it's systemic. It goes up through the tree system. The other thing you could do to help the 
tree's vigor, which is something you probably never had to do before, as if you would fertilize your, your Palo Verde, and you could feed it with, like, some citrus food or lawn food, whatever you have, as long as it's not weed and feed, and go ahead and fertilize it right now. And anywhere you have the black peeling wood up on the top, if you would prune that out, uh, then the tree will probably come back and restore itself. Uh, the long-term problem with these big beetles that feed, you know, the big grubs feeding on the roots, is they can, if there's enough of them in your tree, they can eventually be lethal. Okay, okay. It's it's just very strange because there's Palo Verdes on the other side of all, all around my house, and they're perfectly healthy except for my my tree in my yard. <laughs> okay, so you know what? It could be that you used other herbicides and weed killers in your yard to keep the weeds from coming up. And uh, like, um, you know, there's some really bad ones out there by Ortho that uh, basically any, anything you buy for a, a herbicide that says it's going to last more than spontaneous unless it's a pre-emergent, I would be leery of putting around a tree. Okay. There's ortho okay. Uh, ground control. There's different ones that are out there that uh, can do long-term damage to your tree. And chances are maybe. Do you have weeds growing? No. Why not? No. It's all desert landscape back okay. here. But why aren't there any weeds? Oh. Uh. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you put a chemical down to kill yeah. weeds, you know, that could have killed your soil. And that's probably doing more damage to your tree. And when your tree is weak, that's when the boars and everything else attack. Okay. So don't use, okay. Don't, okay. don't use any chemicals that you're going to use in there for any kind of weed control. Okay. The weeds are healthier than having a sick tree. Water and fertilize. And if you don't see any of those little holes around the trunk, there's no reason to have to use the grub control. But uh, And it takes some of these chemicals a year to get out of your soil. Okay, okay, because okay. we did just buy the house a year ago, so that's entirely possible what was going on. Nope. Water and fertilize, it'll probably, if it's a Palo Verde, as long as it doesn't have the big grubs eating the roots, it'll probably come back out, Stephanie. Okay, perfect. Thank you so Thank much. You. Bye-bye. Uh, Jeff in Phoenix. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Dave. Hey, real quick well, how, question. How, how I keep um, called Dave? Is your name uh, Fred? Sorry. Gary, or? Yes. Sorry, boss. <laughs> <laughs> A real quick question. I was, uh, I've had an established kumquat tree for the last 20 years that was in the ground Mm -hmm. and it was up against a wall that was getting, uh, east shade and then it was a covered patio that was giving it, uh, shade throughout the day. Okay. It grew fantastic, fruited fantastic everything i'm now in a condo and i wanted to put one in a pot and see if i could grow it out of a pot mm-hmm. uh, the dwarf of course and uh i have shade on the east side and i'm only getting afternoon shade shaded sun uh because of another tree that would be uh, casting shade on it but i was wondering would that still grow in a shaded area and if so what size pot would you recommend me putting it in well they won't do as well in the shade as they will in the sun as far as blooming goes but they'll take if they get a half a day's sun they'll be fine if you'll put it in a fairly large pot and what i would plant if you really enjoy eating them is called a miwa m-i-w-e-a uh, kumquat and uh, that one's a smaller round kumquat the tree's a little sl- sl- smaller so you don't need to buy a dwarf just put a regular one put it in a fairly large pot big enough to accommodate the container um so like 15 gallon size or larger and when you plant it just pot it in dirt don't use potting soil if you want to keep it for years to come and if you'll pot one of those in dirt uh it'll do fine it's going to grow fairly slow but you'll get a crop and you'll have a really nice patio tree that you can enjoy for years and the nice part with that if you ever move just take it with you 
Do you carry any uh, mature ones? We have 15 gallons, and a 15 gallon Miwa kumquat. You know, you're going to be buying a tree there that's already six or seven years old. So I mean, it's not a, it's okay. not a young baby, and the Miwas especially are going to be a slow grower, but the fruit is to die for. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Steve in East Phoenix. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Um, I have some uh, cherry tomato plants, the really little ones that I bought as sets. Mm-hmm. And how many of those can you put in a, in, a, in a pot without overcrowding them? I've got some uh, some pretty big pots. I've got some that are about twenty six inches uh, in across. Mm-hmm. And they're they're rather they're very deep, and then I've got some that are not so deep. What size should I use, and how deep do they have to be, and and how many could I put in a twenty four or twenty six inch wide pot? Well, in a pot that size, probably three to five plants. Okay, and uh-huh. no more than that because cherry tomatoes, while the fruit's small, the plants get pretty big, and you'd probably want yeah. to put a cage on them, and you'd want to have soil probably a minimum of about a foot deep. If it's deeper, it's fine. Yeah, these, I've got both. I've got some that are about uh, probably 16 inches, and then I've got some that are, I think they're 64, 64 quarts. They're just huge. Mm-hmm. I don't need those, huh? Well, no, you don't need those. I mean, something, you know, I, I had a friend that used to grow a lot of uh, vegetables down in Florida in 15-gallon nursery containers, and he would uh-huh. do very well. And like in a 15-gallon nursery container, you know, he would have two uh, tomatoes or two eggplants in each one. In a 15-gallon, that's not very big at all. Well, 15 gallons, about 17 inches uh, wide and about 16 to 18 inches tall. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Randy in Glendale. Good morning, Randy. Hey, good morning to you. A um, couple questions. I hope I can get them all. <laughs> but my, first, my first main concern is in Arizona, I'm new here in Arizona in Glendale. I have winter grass. It's grown in very nice. When's the right time in Arizona to reseed for your summer grass? And on top of that, do you have to cut the grass down to the dirt, to the soil, reseed, and then soil over? Well, Randy, let me ask you this. How old is that lawn that's there? Uh, that one is probably about, from what I'm gathering, probably 10 years old. Okay, so you shouldn't have to reseed, okay? And if you want to have oh. a really nice summer lawn, what you're going to want to do is kill the ryegrass earlier because our ryegrass is perennial now and it does not know how to die with dignity, and it will linger into June if you don't. So if you want to have a really nice summer lawn, what you want to do is you know, keep watering for another week or so. When the days are going to be consistently in the 90s, that's the time to kill the ryegrass uh, to help your summer grass come out better and if you'll basically shut the water off for about two weeks and don't mow your lawn let it get taller it'll get kind of stressed and weaker at that time come through and go ahead and scalp it just like if you planted the winter lawn and and scalp it all the way back if it's an older lawn you could aerate it but it by all means come back and fertilize it and if you keep it mowed short then the bermuda grass will have a chance to fill back in and start growing but you want to go through that dry out period for at least a couple weeks to kill that ryegrass and if you don't mow it and if you'll scalp it short, it's easier to kill it. Okay, because from what I'm understanding, this is not Bermuda grass in here. 
It's a it's a like a bluegrass blend. Mm, underneath that yeah. grass, if it's if it's, it was here last summer, it's some kind of Bermuda grass. It can be a tiffway. It can be all different kinds of Bermuda grass. But the perennial summer grass here, ninety nine percent of the lawns, unless it's Icondra or Saint Augustine, are going to be Bermuda grass. Oh, okay. Okay. So I don't after I reseed it, I don't have to soil topsoil over you, it. You yeah. don't have to reseed it. Oh. That, that lawn will oh. be existing. It's just been dormant, sleeping, saying, why is this big cousin of mine growing up but all shady? That's why you have to really stress and kill the ryegrass, and that's a very intentional thing where you have to shut the water off for a couple of weeks and then scalp it. Okay, I okay. can do that. All right, thanks, Randy. Bye-bye. Oh, you- Oops, sorry, Randy. You can call Randy if you're listening. You can call right back. We got to take a short break. We'll be right back after the break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Number to call during the break from Miss Julia is 602-277-5827. Julia and Brian here every Sunday morning from seven to nine with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on ninety two point three FM KTAR. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight For the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rockets red glare The bombs bursting in air Gave proof through the night That our flag was still Say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? Well, welcome back, folks. Uh, what a beautiful uh, Sunday morning, and what a great tune. Uh, I'd like to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents about the time that uh, Bing Crosby was singing that song and continuing now for four generations. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes, citrus trees, desert trees, things like American mesquites and, you know, beautiful ironwood trees. We have palm trees of all varieties from the tropics to the desert, from our native California fan palm to beautiful uh, mule palms, date palms, whatever your dreams may be. No jobs too big, none's too small. If you need one tree for home or a thousand for a development, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Here we're open Monday through Saturday, 8 to 530, Sundays 10 to 4, or you can visit our big tree farm down in Stanfield. That's on Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, Richard in North Phoenix. Hi, Richard. Uh, good morning, Brian. Um, I've just got a, a question about two plants I'm considering, and I like your opinion. One of them, and I've heard you talk about this before, a sparklet Tacoma. Mm-hmm. How big do they get, and uh, 
Um, will they take the south exposure? Oh, they'll take they'll take all the, the exposure, and the, the smaller Tacoma is grown about four to five feet. Okay, okay. And is that something that you like? It's a nice plant. I lo- I love Tacomas. I mean, they're they're very desert, you know, oriented. They they most of the originally down in uh, Baja, but they've been bred here, you know, mostly in Phoenix, you know, from different growers here to come up with different okay. cultivars. And they're they're a wonderful plant for our environment. And then a neighbor of mine put something in called a uh, yucca solaris. Okay. And do you know what? Um, well, there's a lot. Like a, there's- yeah, there's a lot of different yuccas, and it's just a matter of you know choosing a culture bar that you enjoy, and and some are small and some are large. Um, you know, we go everything from our Joshua trees and yucca alatas, which are native here. They're very large yuccas to a lot of small ones. It's just a matter of what you enjoy. Keith, well, this one, according to his tag that he showed me, is is supposed to be like five feet high, and will that take the summer sun? Uh, yes, it should. And uh, if you want one that's that tall that you can plant that tall right now and have maintained forever, you might look at a yucca Thompsoniana. And it's a really okay. nice little yucca that stays multiple-headed that uh, you can plant it three or four feet, and it'll never get more than ten. Okay. Um, never meaning in a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm very familiar with mule palms because I bought one when before they were really getting popular, and you were talking about three, three, three and a half, four years ago. And I bought one with a split trunk that was just sitting there, and I thought, you know, nobody's going to want that, but it fascinated me, and I bought it from you, and it was about four feet tall at the time. And it's now up to about 17 feet. And I showed a picture of it to your son, Matthew, and he said if he ever got a chance, he would show it to you. But it's huge in both those trunks. I mean, the whole plant is thriving. It's on the south side of the uh, house, up against near the house. And um, uh, it's such a fine plant. I went and I bought two more from you. But I also have a question about, a uh, a pendo palm. Mm-hmm. I saw one of those, and I know it's much smaller. What's what's your opinion of pendo palm? Richard is not nearly as hardy. The pendo is one of the parents of the mule palm. You know, it's crossed right. between a queen and a pendo. And there are right. some magnificent. I can remember when I went to Phoenix College many moons ago. There was one that was probably planted when the school was new. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, in a period of 60 years, it grown to, a, you know, probably 12 or 15 feet tall. But they really they really suffer more here in the desert than the mules do. So they're going to be mm-hmm. smaller. There are some beautiful ones. But on average, they just don't perform as well like the mules. And, uh, you know, the mules are something we've learned about over the last 10 years. But, they you know, they used to be a very expensive rare palm. And now we find them as a very useful part, especially if you want a tropical look. Right. Well, Richard, thanks for the call, and uh, thanks for visiting my son. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Looks like uh, we we can get Barbara in first. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Can you hear me? We can hear you very clearly, Barbara. Great. Okay. Um, I moved into a house in Surprise last year, so the house is like 30 years old. The grapefruit tree is huge, and the grapefruit are really sour. Is there a certain kind of um, fertilizer or something to do to get them Barbara, to be... Barbara, what, what color are the grapefruit? 
Are they white or pink? I think they're going to be pink if it ever had better fertilizer. <laughs> well, no, the fertilizer's not going to change their color. So if you cut them open yeah. right now, are they white inside or pink inside? No, it's it's a light pink. Okay. So a light pink could be a ruby red or it could be an older pink variety. And the pink grapefruit ripened much later, and so did the marsh white, than some of the other varieties. So that grapefruit's probably going to be at its best in about May. So it's, it's going to it's going to taste its best in about May, and you can harvest oh. it on the tree throughout the summer. And that so it'll stay good on the tree through July, and uh, mm. but it's going to get better and more sugar, you know, a little later in the season. Hey, I've got to I can take you out. I give you more information out there. Hold on. Appreciate all the calls today, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed the program. Thanks to you for the great music. And it's hard to beat Bing Crosby with a Star Spangled Banner. But, you know, our song reminds us of the Ukrainians. You know, what uh, what they're going through is a lot what we went through. And, uh, you know, when you got big adversaries, whether they be England or Russia, you know, teamwork and their intestinal and uh, just their desire to survive and support their families is amazing. Whatever we can do to help them, I'm sure they'll appreciate. And hopefully as time goes on, they can uh, free their country as we freed ours. We'll be back with you next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery uh, Garden Show. Hope you enjoyed the program. Come out and see us at the nursery. And uh, thanks, Julia and John, for the news and the music.